From Variety, I'm Michael Schneider. Space, the final frontier. Lance Reddick didn't have any grand designs on becoming an actor. Actually, he wanted to be a musician. But the star of Bosch, Corporate, Fringe, The Wire, and countless other fan-favorite series couldn't get enough of Star Trek as a kid. You know, growing up, I kind of wanted to be Captain Kirk. Yeah. So to see him up, uh, up against somebody who was really his match, not his superior in every way, Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just cool. But, you know, whenever I'm asked about kind of my early influences on kind of what made me want to be an actor. Yeah. It was William Shatner. On this edition of the podcast, we talked to Lance Reddick about his favorite episode of TV ever, the classic Star Trek installment, Space Seed, and the actor's unusual path to fame. It's my favorite episode. My favorite episode's about to start... Written by Gene L. Kuhn and Carrie Wilbur and directed by Mark Daniels, the Star Trek episode Space Seed first introduced the iconic character Khan, played by Ricardo Monteblan. The episode aired during season one of Star Trek on February 16, 1967. Space Seed follows the USS Enterprise as it comes across the SS Botany Bay, a ship featuring superhumans who have been in suspended animation for centuries. Khan, the leader, takes advantage of ship historian Marla MacGyvers to attempt to take over the ship. Kirk eventually exiles Khan and MacGyvers, and of course we see the return of the character in the 1982 film The Wrath of Khan. I'm sorry, Captain. I was um, lost in thought. Uh, my door. Locked from outside, a guard posted. Unusual treatment for Khan, Nuni, and Singh. You identified me with your computer system, I imagine. I'd like those answers now. First, the purpose of your starflight. A new life, a chance to build a world. Uh, other things I doubt you would understand. Why? Because I'm not a product of controlled genetics? Captain, although your abilities intrigue me, you are quite honestly inferior, mentally, physically. In fact, I am surprised how little improvement there has been in human evolution. Oh, there has been technical advancement, but uh, how little man himself has changed. Lance Reddick loved TV growing up and was a super fan of the original Star Trek. The actor, currently seen as Deputy Chief Irvin Irving on Amazon Prime Video's Bosch, and as Christian DeVille on Comedy Central's Corporate, recently sat down with my favorite episode to discuss what Star Trek meant to him and how he wound up on so many iconic TV and film franchises. We began by discussing what made him pick Space Seed, which is generally considered one of the best episodes of the original Star Trek ever. So, Lance, there are many reasons why I love that you picked this episode. But, uh, you know, first off, because this was the episode that introduced Khan. Yes. Played yes. by Ricard Ricardo Monteplan, of course. Yeah. One of the greatest villains of all time and, mm -hmm. and iconic. And, you know, and, and of course, uh, uh, he, 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 he uh, continued that role in the movie in The Wrath of Khan. But yeah. this was our first yeah. – 
for first evidence of this character and and uh, really considered one of the greatest episodes of, of Star Trek ever. Always uh, ends up on the list as one of the two or, or three greatest episodes. Um, I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. So so what made you pick this episode? Wow, I think it's nostalgia. Um, whenever <clears> – <throat> it's weird because um, when I was trying to decide what my favorite episode of all time was, I think that was the first one that popped up uh-huh. because uh, when I was a kid uh, and I would watch Star Trek in reruns, I would always wait for that episode. Yeah. Uh, and it, it took me a while to realize how much I loved the chemistry that uh, Multiban and uh, Shatner had. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't, it was just, you know, growing up, I kind of wanted to be Captain Kirk. Yeah. So to see him up, uh, up against somebody who was really his match, if not his superior in every way. Yeah. Um, was just, it's just cool. Yeah, yeah, this this superhuman character who yeah. had been genetically engineered to be just superior in in all ways. Yeah, uh, and and is although is, that, that they said selective breeding, so yeah, it, it wasn't. Uh, That's true. Yeah, so, I, but it probably it now would be genetic engineering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, but nonetheless, the the, the what did uh, did did Ricardo Maltablan and 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 Khan make an impression on you? That character. Um, you're known for playing some heavy characters. I just thought he was cool. I mean, yeah. the even the way that he outthought, uh, he, he basically put him in checkmate when they were on the bridge. Yeah. Uh, um, and um, he basically uh, figured out every single contingency that, that Kirk could think of just because he studied the technical manuals while he was lying in his quote-unquote sick bed. Yeah. Um, uh, there's just something about uh, Cardo Montalban in that episode that is just... I mean, he to keep coming back to that word, but just cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he had – it's funny because you have an amazing voice and he had an amazing voice. Remember, he was like a spokesperson for like a – Yeah, that's true. With the, the fine Corinthian leather, which I forget which <laughs> auto that was yeah. that he, he sold. But he was known for just – and of course on Fantasy Island, smiles, smiles, everyone. <laughs> but he had like this commanding voice yeah. and presence and you know, and and when I think of you, I think of a commanding voice and a commanding presence. Oh, thank you. So, and and uh, and it's always just fun to hear you just just say words. Uh, <laughs> it's just to read scripts. Um, but but were you drawn? Uh, you know, as as you started to uh, you know consider acting, was were you drawn to those kind of characters, or, or what? What's uh, was there anything in sort of those sort of larger than life characters that inspired you back in the day? I grew up addicted to television. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I uh, came of age in the 70s when, uh, when TV had really uh, was becoming kind of a full-blown uh, part of our culture. And um, there was always something about, you know, um, being a little boy at the time. I mean, in the 60s, like, Westerns were huge. Yeah. And then, then they started to, uh, to wane in the 70s, and they were taken over by the cop shows and particularly private, private detective shows. Um, but you know, it was, it's interesting to me that, um, when I, uh, go back and I listen to, um, uh, Gene Roddenberry talk about the, the reboot of the Star Trek pilot, you know, the the first was, um, uh, of course with the, I can't think of the name of the actor who played Christopher, Christopher Pike in the original pilot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, um, it's interesting because from watching it, I, when I watched the original pilot, it looks much more like the next generation yeah. than anything that came after it in the original series. And, you know, when I heard Roddenberry say 
Westerns were really big at the time. So basically, they wanted us to make a Western in space with yeah. Kirk shooting guns and fighting people and getting girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it's interesting because I didn't really start – I mean, I didn't really start acting until I was in college. And I didn't even think about being an actor professional until I was 27. But, you know, whenever I'm asked about uh, kind of my early influences on kind of what made me want to be an actor, yeah. it was William Shatner. Yeah. And it was this weird thing where I remember reading about him. At one point, I became a little obsessed with him. And so I, I was reading about the, about his background as an actor and found that, that he'd been uh, a Shakespearean actor. And so I started <laughs> – my father had this old volume of Shakespeare plays from when he was in college, um, lying around uh, in the den. Uh-huh. And so I would – I remember opening that up randomly and finding the speech by Brutus and uh, um, Julius Caesar. Where, he's, where he addresses the crowd before Mark Anthony comes and kind of takes every takes over. Yeah, and this is when I was I, I was in high school. I, I don't know. I was maybe fourteen years old, um, and um, I opened up. Uh, I'd never read any of the plays, and then I opened up to uh, the the big speech that Brutus has in front of the crowd after after Caesar's been killed and um, from Julius Caesar, and uh, I started trying to do it the way I thought Captain Kirk would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and with, just, with with the, did you do the inflections too? Well, it's funny because I I didn't really uh, at that point I hadn't really noticed kind of the the unique way he kind the, of the spark. Yeah, and also that stuff. I feel like he started doing that more second second third season, like yeah. he, where he kind of started becoming compared to himself as the show went on. Yeah, the first season, some most of his stuff was pretty uh, pretty natural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're a big Star Trek fan. Would, yeah. would you call yourself uh, is it Trekker, right? It's not Trekkie. Trekkie. So it is Trekkie. It is I Trekkie. know there's like the back and forth. Like some people are like, Trekker sounds cooler than Trekkie. Oh, well, you know more than I do. <laughs> I mean, I haven't heard that. So, so, but you're, yeah. you're a full-fledged Trekkie. I don't know if I'd say full-fledged Trekkie. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm a huge um, Next Generation fan. And I only yeah. d- really discovered Next Generation a few years ago. I didn't watch it really when it was on. Yeah. Because um, – when it originally aired uh, back in the eighties, I just thought he's not Captain Kirk, and this isn't Star Trek. Uh, I don't know what this is. Yeah, you're you're a purist at the time. At the time, um, not realizing that that was much closer to Roddenberry's original version. Uh, yeah. Vision. Uh, and, but then I got hooked completely hooked on Voyager in the nineties. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and then you went back and and rebinged uh, so some of the uh, some of the next gen. Uh, I, no, no, I went back and I actually watched the entire series. Yeah, yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh how about the, some of the other series? Did you get into Deep Space Nine? I never really or... got into Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I didn't really get into Enterprise either. Yeah. Yeah. So and then of course there's the new one that's uh Yes, which I haven't seen. Yeah. Yeah. So you haven't been on a Star Trek. I have not. So that needs to be rectified. Yes. And it's funny because when uh Enterprise, when they were casting, I was so desperate to get seen for that show. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't, but I, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You've done your, your, you, definitely plenty of sci-fi in your day. Yeah. So in, in some ways, uh, you know, some, some original shows, of course, fringe, uh, that everyone remembers well. Um, but, but take me back real quick to, as a kid. So you discovered Star Trek in repeats. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I actually watched it when it was all, like, I was oh, little, a little, little. Like, uh, like I was in a, when it was, I, I was originally in, in the late sixties. Yeah, well, when I was in elementary school. Oh, wow. So, yeah. so how did you discover it? It was just one of those, it was, I don't even remember, uh, I remember it most on Saturday nights, which is, I think, was their last season when they got pushed Saturday nights and right. they knew that, you know, we're done. 
Yeah. At the at that time, you know, Saturday nights was like the, the death of a show. Yeah. Um, and then I started watching it in reruns uh, when it started uh, being in syndication a few years later. Yeah. Uh, mostly on like Saturday and Sunday afternoons. Yeah. 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 So and, and and so clearly made an impression on you. Yeah, I just love that stuff. And like I said, I was in some ways uh, I was a typical boy, and then I just and also I, I grew up uh, uh, even though I have a, a, a well had he passed away, but I had an older brother who was much older than I am. Uh-huh. But I didn't really grow up with him because he was twenty years older than I am. Oh wow! So um, so I effectively I grew up an only child. So I did a lot of I did a lot of playing and pretend on my own. Yeah. So I would I would do these elaborate scenarios, and it was always either a western or or a private eye. Yeah. 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 So I was kind of obsessed with that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 So and then um, carrying on, like, did you watch? Uh, were you into the movies at all? Did you uh, did did you see Rathacon when it came out? I did. Yeah. I did. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. 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 And the, the whole idea of the continuation of this character, and and uh, well, I was I couldn't wait. Yeah. I couldn't wait. Yeah. yeah. And and so. Uh, going back to this episode, I mean, anything else that sort of st- stood out in terms of just the, the the themes, what they were trying to get at at the time? I mean, of course, Star Trek famously was all about an allegory to uh, society and, yeah. and how we live now. And one of the things that was so interesting to me about that original series, um, I was talking to my wife about it, is how – because you don't see this in the pilot because um, Michelle Rodbury actually played the – First officer in the original pilot, mm-hmm. um, but how? Given how much they, how often they addressed race and ethnicity in the show, and uh, and how difficult that is, um, how misogynistic it was. Yeah, <laughs> so the yeah. Show was. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really it's really weird, you know, because when I went back to uh, watch the episode again for at, at least the twentieth time, <clears throat> when I was um, uh, preparing to. For this interview, um, the, um, the historian—I can't remember—I can't remember the name. Yeah, Marla uh, McGivers. Mar- yeah. Well, <laughs> it's actually McGivers. He always pronounced yeah. her name wrong, McGivers, yeah. and she had to correct him. Yeah, Marla yeah. McGivers. I don't remember the name of the actress who played her. Yeah, I had it here, uh, Madeline Rue. Yeah, it's funny. I only ever saw her one other time, and it was on an episode of Mannix. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so from the era as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But. Um, one of the things that I found so interesting about that episode was <clears throat> there's this great scene they have in the conference room. It's 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 Spock, Scotty, McCoy, and 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 Kirk, and um, they've got his picture up on the screen. From the now, why they couldn't pull his picture up I, before I don't know, but they pull his pick up, picture up on the screen from from the historical records, and so they know who he is. Khan Noonie and Singh is his full name, and um, um, they're talking. They're talking about how stable his rule was, and Spock is talking about how oppressive it was, and they're arguing with him, and he's like, "Gentlemen, I'm what?" And and Kirk has this great line. You know, they all start. He's they all start laughing, and Kirk has this great line. He says, "He said you misunderstand us. We can we can admire him and be against him all at the same time." Yeah, yeah. That actually, yeah, that that is a great line. Yeah. So. Um, and, and, you know, interestingly that you mentioned the misogynism of, of, you know, you, you sort of see obviously shows of that era, but that's probably the biggest, uh, sort of criticism this episode has, uh, in, in how the historian character is, is sort of treated as so episode, yeah, yeah. subservient and, and. I mean, to the point where when, uh, <laughs> his physical abuse of her is seen, it was very much kind of in that, uh, uh, 
60 Sean Connery, James Bond uh, uh, um, tone of treating women. Um, uh, 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 abusing them makes you want makes them want you more because they res- they admire respect and masculine power. Yeah, that, that that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, I, you could say that at very at the very least, the franchise has made tried to make up for it over the years by empowering more women, and of course yeah. now Star Trek Discovery uh, with the. Uh, uh, you know, Sonequa Green at, at sort of the center of Sonequa Martin Green at the center uh, as the star of, of this new Star Trek. And, and, and Voyager, the and women Voyager ran the show. Well. Yeah. They ran the show. Yeah. Yeah. The most the smartest, most powerful characters on the show were the women. Yeah. Yeah. And the black guy. <laughs> exactly. So so Star yeah. Trek in, in some ways, uh, you know, has evolved just as society has evolved. Yeah. Um, what else did you watch back in the day? What uh, You said you're a big TV fan. So. Oh, gosh. When I was a little kid, I mean, um, it's funny because um, – my wife is a little younger than I am, and she not just that, but uh, you know, I don't mean to play the stereotype, but she just wasn't into West. Well, she loved Bonanza; she did love that. Yeah. But uh, a big uh, show that I loved was uh, Big Valley, mm-hmm. and I also loved uh, The Wild Wild West. Wow! So yeah. you you so so this made sense that you went from the westerns to the space westerns. Yeah. So it kind yeah. of fit fit the, your your taste. Yeah. In a moment, Lance Reddick on his acting history and what to expect in a busy 2019 for the actor. From Variety, this is my favorite episode. This is Daniel Holloway. Join me every Friday for TV Take, Variety's podcast about the television business. In every episode, we feature interviews with stars and showrunners from today's hit shows, as well as conversations with variety journalists about the key TV headlines of the day. Subscribe or download to TV Take wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. It's my favorite episode. I'm Michael Schneider, and Lance Reddick is our guest. Season 5 of Bosch returns to Amazon Prime Video on April 19, while a Season 6 has already been ordered. Reddick plays Deputy Chief Irving Irving, West Bureau Commanding Officer of the LAPD's Hollywood Division. Titus Welliver is Los Angeles Police Department Homicide Detective Harry Bosch on the show. Welcome to Hollywood Homicide. Definitely smell undercover. That's the idea. Have you ever done this before? I'm not going to be under that long. Find my killers and adios. Maybe we should hit pause, call in the DEA. Let them bust the pill mill after we're done. You won't have a weapon and you may need one. Okay, seriously? Twist the top and pull. Can you do compliance? I'm famous for it. Did you work the Skyler murder case? 20 years ago, why? They're investigating it. There are two kinds of truth. The kind that gets bent and manipulated for someone's self-interest. And the kind you carry inside and know is real. Should I be worried? Don't do anything stupid. Growing up in Baltimore, acting wasn't even a consideration for Lance Reddick as a child. Well, because I didn't, growing up, I never thought about being an actor. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, um, I was never really that much into school, but uh, I grew up studying music. So I started playing piano when I was six and uh, started, so I, and I started studying classical piano when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, uh, all the way through uh, elementary school and junior high school and high school. Uh, and then uh, when I was in high school, every summer I started going to a, a music camp that was geared toward composition so when i went to college i went to music school i went to conservatory i went to eastman school of music yeah. i thought i was going to be a classical composer 
And I left because I realized that I was in denial and I really wanted to be a rock star. But um, yeah. all through that, you know, I, I acted, I acted in, uh, I did one play in high school. It's really interesting. The first time I realized that I had a knack for acting was when I was 15. Um, in English class, we had to do, we were reading uh, Macbeth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but the teacher gave us this assignment to pick a monologue and, and uh, learn it and act it out for the class. And I did the, uh, uh, if it were done, went to his done speech. And um, I don't know how to describe it, but there, because uh, uh, at the time I just, I didn't even really like reading. And I don't even think I ever read the play. But uh, I just loved learning that speech and, yeah. and, and, and creating that character. And so when I did it, it was, it was, it was clear to me. And the teacher even said that I was doing something that the other kids weren't. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I, um, I tried to just talk. I wasn't reciting it. I actually tried to just talk and be the guy. Yeah. Um, and then two years later, my senior year, I auditioned for a production of Fiorello. I got, came really close to playing his chief of staff, and I ended up getting played cast as the car dealer, so I had two lines. <laughs> um, but then when I got into college, um, my first year was at the University of Rochester before I transferred to Eastman, and I just, I don't know why, was, I just said, you know what, I wanna, I, I'm going to be good at this. This would be fun. So I just started acting in plays, and I did that all through college. Yeah, but yeah. it was just for fun because you still wanted to be the rock star. Yeah, well, at that point, I, I my first year I was actually a physics major, but uh, e- even then, I mean, acting—it's so funny because there was a guy. Um, my after I transferred to Eastman, I actually took an English class over at the at the U of R. Um, that was, believe it or not, was was uh, the class was putting on a, a Shakespearean production. So the the English professor actually was the director. I don't remember his name. I, I remember he was blind. And that was interesting. But, um, and I played um, Antonio, the sea captain. Uh, and the guy who played the prince, I can't remember his, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. This is going like 30 years. <laughs> but um, I remember he was, it's interesting because we both had, we both played football in high school. We both had um, a, a history of a, of a particular autoimmune disease. And he was obsessed being an actor, he was obsessed with going to the Yale School of Drama. And I'd never heard of Yale School of Drama until he brought it up. Yeah. And I thought, I we really got along. We were friends. He actually ended up directing me in another play like uh, my next year. But I just thought, man, people want to be actors. I just thought it was the silliest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, well, he's obsessed with going to this one school. I mean, there's a bunch of, like, must be a bunch of schools. Uh, and then, you know, lo and behold, 10 years later, I'm at the Yale School of Drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so you just never know. Yeah, no, yeah. no, exactly. Yeah. Um, when, when, when did you sort of flip that switch? When did you realize this was it? Uh, was there a moment where you felt like, okay, no. this, this is the path? I, I actually started acting as a move of desperation because I thought it would help my music career. Yeah. I had, a, um, I had a, uh, about a year after my daughter was born, I had a back injury and laid me up for a good two weeks. And at the time I was working a three part-time job, so I was working seven days a week. And, um, you know, while I was on my back um, convalescing, I started to, I realized that I had to face some facts. I had been working with a recording studio for, at this point, it had been a couple of years. And I had to realize, you know, I had to be honest with myself that they were just taking me for a ride and I was never going to get a record deal. Yeah. And I was going to have to figure out something else. And I, you know, I realized I didn't have any contacts. I didn't have any money. So I thought, well, you know, I know I can sing and I can act. So let me try that. 
So I just opened up the local trades in Boston Phoenix, which is their version of the Village Voice. Yeah. And I just started going on local theater auditions. I went on, I think, at least one, maybe two musical theater auditions. And right away I realized, like, this is not me. These people are, I, I, have, I have a nice voice. These people are singers. Mm-hmm. Then I went on a straight acting audition. And I remember my first audition was for, I can't remember the name of the play, but it was a Tennessee Williams play. And it was at this little, um, this tiny theater. And you had to uh, uh, prepare two contrasting monologues. And I didn't have any monologues. So there was a show on at the time called The Bronx Zoo starring Ed Asner where he plays this um, principal, uh, this new principal in a, in a, a school in the South Bronx. And um, I was hooked on that show. Like I, I, would, uh, uh, vi- I would videotape that. Yeah. And, you know, I'd watch it on the weekends when I had time. And so I had some episodes on tape, and I just remember for some reason, two two monologues came to my mind immediately. One is is this uh, monologue that Ed Asner had at the very end of the uh, pilot, where um, he's on the verge of being kicked out because the parents are so mad at him because he's trying to make the kids actually learn stuff and, and have discipline. Uh-huh. And um, so he's he's he it's 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 this monologue he's got in front of the school board. And then there was another uh, episode where this kid has uh, he uh, he had got. Um, a full ride scholarship to Princeton, and then he ends up getting in an altercation with a kid and getting and shooting the kid and over drugs. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a there's a scene at the end of that episode where he talks about his experience going to visit Princeton and how he realized he didn't fit in, and how awful how awful it was. And interestingly enough, at the time, the <laughs> the guy who played who played the gym teacher um, was. Uh, uh, Michael T. Williamson. Mm. And the guy who, the, who played the kid was a 19-year-old Cuba Gooding Jr. Wow, wow. Yeah. So um, I basically, I took my tape recorder out. I played those scenes on TV. I taped it. <laughs> and then I learned the monologues from the tape. And then I did those monologues. One as the principal and one as the street kid. Yeah. Um, and after the audition was over, the director said to me, wow, that's acting. Where did you study? And I was like, uh, no place. My first straight audition <laughs> right. ever. I mean, you watched a lot of TV. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the, that was the yeah. beginning. Of what I really thought, man, this I could, this may have something here. By the way, I'm taken aback by like the title of that show. Can you imagine calling a show about like high school kids now, the Bronx Zoo? How offensive oh, yeah. it's, that it's funny, is. Because when I said it, I've never thought anything of it, but. When I said it out loud to you, I thought, oh, wow, that'd be kind of racist. Yeah. (laughs) How (laughs) different times. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, So, so, and, and so cut, cut to the chase in terms of what would you say was the, the real breakthrough, like the, the, the role or the, the moment where you sort of felt like you'd established yourself, uh, like in television or uh, just like in, in acting period. The role when I feel like I established myself in acting, I don't know. Um, because I was fortunate. I mean, I started working pretty much straight out of school. Yeah. So, I mean, two weeks after I graduated, I was studying on Broadway. Um, and then I went straight from that to an off-Broadway show that ran for a year. Yeah. Um, but uh, as a, I guess as a, in, in television, I'd, I'd probably say The Wire. Yeah. I mean, my definitely, my I would say my first really big break was Oz. Yeah. Um. But the wire was when I realized that my life was going to – even when I got it, before even uh, – before the show had even been sh- – the pilot had even been shot and been picked up, 
I just I knew that my life was going to be different. Right, right. That that was the show. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to ask you, by the way, when when people like come up to you, like the classic question of what do they ask you about the most? What 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 generally do they cite? Which you know, I, which I, show? Or, I never know or how to answer that because it, for a while it was kind of fifty fifty, The Wire or Fringe. Mm-hmm. But now um, it could be. I mean, it could be Bosch. Um, I mean, I, 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 it's funny on social media, there's some people they'll see me in something and they only know me from destiny. So they call me, but from the character that I play in a yeah. video game, um, there's, and, but it seems like a, a lot of times people only know me from one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it maybe depends what their taste is because yeah. you've had this opportunity now and even just looking at your IMDB, how diverse the, the, the kind of projects you've done over the past, say, five years has been, you know, comedy, drama, sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it seems to be like, you know, we, we're here actually to talk about corporate, but it could have been just as much about Bosch or, you know. Some people just know me from John Wick. So Some exactly. Just know me from Lost. Yeah, yeah. We only did four episodes. Yeah, but that was such an iconic show. At the time that I came into it, it was like the hottest show on network. Yeah, yeah. So and and now it's it's fun to see you like dabble in comedy as well. And this this has been fun. Yeah, corporate's been a fantastic experience. Yeah, and and you know, speaking of like Shakespearean, like you're you're able to sort of. <laughs> You know, in, in playing this character, be like, you know, the, the, the at least like one – every episode, there's there's one line or something that you get to do or say that I could just tell is a lot of – just so much fun for you to do. God, there's so many of them. Um, I mean, it's funny. I remember um, – I, well, I think it was when we were shooting – I don't know if it was when we were shooting the second season or, uh, or if, when it was uh, – after we, it was sometime after the first season, um, and I was talking to, um, um, I think it was to Jake, to Jake Wiseman, and he said, "Sometimes we just love writing the most convoluted monologues to see what you do with them, keeping yeah. you on your toes." Yeah, yeah. So, what what do you make of Christian Deville? I mean, he's he's a he's a fun, juicy character, and and the thing is, he's he's you're in a comedy, but you get to be. Again, like very yeah. Shakespearean on this show. It's funny. In some ways more, j- just in terms of the way that I talk, in some ways more Shakespearean than anything I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's. A, I think he's a borderline psychopath. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or, or at least he rates very high on the psychopath scale. Yeah. Um, uh, I. The thing that's kind of scary about him is that I don't know that that's a lot different from a lot of CEOs of multinational corporations. I mean, I know I'm doing a, a parody of him. I mean, a kind of a, uh, the character is a, is a kind of a parody. Um, but uh, by the same token, um, you know, there were two things that I was that, were, that I was look happened to be looking at. Well, one thing I happened to be looking at um, when I was cast. Um, and it's fascinated me for years, just just kind of how the minds of psychopaths work, mm-hmm. um, and how far from, like, very few psychopaths are serial killers, <laughs> um, uh, and and that the most, as far as I know, the, the kind of the most recent um, notion of the way that the psych, the psych, I don't want to say psychopathy, but I don't know if that's a word works, is that there's a scale, and you can either be kind of high or low on the scale. And um, people that tend to be high on the scale are like special forces, mm-hmm. 
a lot of gangsters, particularly uh, particularly um, um, killers or um, 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 bosses. A lot of um, a lot of CEOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certain presidents of the United States. Uh... Well, yeah, <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but you're. It's, it's so. It seems like you're having fun, though. Paul, sort of I'm having like a great time. I'm having a great time diving because, into this. Because the other thing about it, it's not just there's there's two things about it that's great. One is just how fun it is to play the character, but the other thing is how great it is to be a part of what they're doing. Because I feel like, in addition to being really funny. It's it's an, it's a show that's got something. Uh, it's an important commentary about um, life. Yeah. Today. Yeah, yeah, and we're living it right life, now. and and uh, and uh, the the uh, business, and yeah. I mean, I think it's a very political show. Yeah, yeah, politics. Uh, you know, just uh, social interaction. Um, there's one episode early in in season two where. Uh, you buy a, a television, like a news network, and so there's commentary yeah, yeah, on yeah, what's yeah. happened to yes, yes. you know. And I, you know, as as a journalist, like that's one that you know we're struggling with all the time is just what has happened to journalism and the media, and how depressing is this? You know, it's a, it's a, there's a really great lot. Speaking of that episode, there's a really great line that I have um, when I'm um, in, in uh, my first scene of the first episode of season two with Robert Morris, where I'm. Um, uh, Arguing, trying to get Robert Morse to sign sign the yeah sell sell the company sell the yeah. company to me, and um, um, <laughs> I say to him, you know, I, I look on the, his back wall and there's a plaque that says "The pen is mightier than the sword," um, and I ask him if he knows who said it, and of course he knows, and I say, you know, how he died, right? He got his head cut off with a sword, and he's like, I don't think that's true. I say, oh, yeah. see, that's the nice thing about owning your own news news organization. You get to decide what's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I read that and I was like, that's chilling. <laughs> Channeling your inner Rupert Murdoch right there. Well, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So it's uh, – it, and that's what's been kind of special about corporate is, is uh, you know, and I think the reviews have sort of expressed this, is that it's not the show that you expect. It's a very different kind of comedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and very, very smart, very elevated kind of comedy. Um what are you looking for now? What uh, what what kind of things ex- excite you in in terms of uh, projects that uh, you know come your way? Uh, is is there anything that you look for uh, these days when when you commit to a show or a, well, a film? Um, now more than anything, else, well, I shouldn't say more than anything else. There, there are a couple of things. Um, I mean, I'm really looking to kind of produce the kinds of produce the kinds of shows that I want to see. Mm-hmm. That I'd love to see, um, and. Um, in terms of the kind of care, I'm looking to do something different. Because um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's interesting. I almost said no to corporate. Um, because when I read the, first of all, when I read the pilot on the page, I just didn't get it. Uh-huh. But the other thing was, I said, you know, I don't, it's, just, it's another asshole boss in suit. <laughs> and my agent at the time, she said, well, no, this is a different asshole boss. You, you, this is, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I want to play a regular guy. Because uh, you, you, Asked me early about kind of playing uh, characters that are larger than life. I feel like I've done that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a big guy. Do you, do you feel like you're a little pigeonholed because of that, or or because you've you've been known no. to play these these sort of larger? Well, it's more that. Yeah, because I feel like that changed after the wire. Uh-huh. Because interestingly enough, uh, when I was uh, when I first went to the, my whole round of auditions for the wire, 
Uh, originally, I went in for bunk. But um, on my third audition for bunk, uh, David asked me to read Bubbles on the spot. And But the reason he asked me to read Bubbles on the spot is because I'd worked with, I'd worked with him in, Ed, uh, in the, the miniseries that I did before called The Corner, mm-hmm. where I played a crackhead. And um, the year before on Oz, I played a heroin addict. So, and also at the time I was, I mean, I'm, I'm a much bigger guy now, but at the time I was very thin. Mm. So uh, it was an easy, it was an easy fit. Um, so they actually didn't want to see me for Daniels. But then ever since I played, ever since I played Daniels, it's kind of like, that's the, that's what people. Cause that's, expect. that's, that's what Hollywood does, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to, to break, break free from that. Yeah. So, um, but uh, obviously you're doing pretty well for yourself. Oh, no, 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 don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've been very fortunate. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. So what, uh, what, what, uh, what's coming up? Uh, anything that you can talk about that you're excited about that you've, you've done recently or that we're going to be seeing in the, the coming year? Um, let me see. Uh, well, Canal Street, which is a film I did actually two years ago, um, where I, I played the head of a law firm. Um, and uh, uh, speaking of Michael T. Williamson, uh, he's, he's one of the two leads. Um, um, and that just came out this week. In, in select theaters across the country, um, and it, uh, it's about a, uh, an attorney who's who's uh, who's moved his he's a widow he's a widower and he's he has moved his son to um, an affluent part of Chicago and he's going to a private school and it's 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 all about kind of dealing with race and then there's a there's a murder and kind of you know uh, he's accused of it and um, <clears throat> it's all it's 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 all about the the, the politics of race in the criminal justice system. Uh, then I did um, I did another film. That, Another film is coming out that I did two years ago called Little Woods, starring Tessa Thompson um, and Lily. Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of her last name. Um, but it's about two two sisters, um, and um, I actually played Tessa's um, pro officer, mm. and uh, I'm really excited about. That yeah, film. yeah, I love Tessa. Not so much for the role because that was that was one of those things where I didn't I didn't say yes because of the role. I say yes because of the project. Mm-hmm. Because when I read the script, I thought, "Wow, this person really has something to say." Uh, and then I met with uh, the, the the writer director Nia DaCosta, and I just fell in love with her. And then when I found out Tessa was playing the lead, I was like, "Yeah, man, yeah, you're in. That's yeah. great." Yeah. So. And w- once again, it's a very it's a political piece. It's very imp- it's it's about um, um, people in a in a in a dying oil. I can't remember if it's timber or oil. I haven't seen the film and I haven't read the script in two years. But uh, I think it's a, 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 a um, it's not coal mine, but I think it's an oil town. And um, they don't have, no, nobody can afford health insurance. So it's about um, um, the selling of illegal prescriptions, prescription drugs for people so that they can survive. So very timely. Yeah. Very, very yeah. timely. And then John Wick 3 comes out in May. And Angel Has Fallen comes out, I'm not sure I heard August, but that may it may move to the fall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, those John Wick movies, man. Yeah. They, they... And then season five of Bosch comes out uh, in the spring sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, uh, corporate season two going on right now. Yep. And we'll keep fingers crossed for season three. So <laughs> Your mouth to God's ears. Another big year for Lance Reddick. Knock on wood. So feeling good. Well, Lance, thank you so much for dropping by. And uh, congrats on everything. And uh, we'll look forward to what's next. Thanks.
And that's it for this edition of My Favorite Episode. Join us again next time as we once again explore another guest pick. And be sure to subscribe to My Favorite Episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com for your daily fix of TV news, analysis, and reviews. I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you again next time. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.